Welcome to the Dhamma Podcast. The audio recording that follows was recorded during S.N. Goenka's tour of North America in 2002, known as the Meditation Now Tour. This podcast will be updated monthly, with additional archives from S.N. Goenka's talks and questions and answer sessions, as well as other speakers discussing aspects of Vipassana meditation as taught by S.N. Goenka. This podcast is sponsored by Pariyati, a nonprofit publisher that offers written, audio, and video content and whose mission is to enrich the world by disseminating the words of the Buddha, providing sustenance for the seeker's journey, and illuminating the meditator's path. For more information regarding Pariyati, please go to www.pariyati.org. That is www.pariyati.org. For more information on Vipassana meditation as taught by S. Goenka, including a schedule of courses offered throughout the world, please see www.dhamma.org. That is www.dhamma.org. Friends, we have all assembled here this evening to understand what is Vipassana and how does it help us in our day-to-day life and how it is relevant in today's world. Vipassana is a process of truth realization, a process of self-realization, realization of the truth about oneself, within oneself, by oneself, at the experiential level, not merely trying to understand it at the intellectual level, not merely accepting it at emotional or devotional level because an enlightened person said so, always at the experiential level. Everyone has to realize the reality. The most important reality pertaining to us, pertaining to our life, is the reality of truth, reality of suffering, misery, the truth of misery, at the deepest level. What is misery? How it gets generated? and how it keeps on multiplying, multiplying. And also to realize the truth as to how to come out of this misery. The truth has to be experienced within the framework of one's own body. Misery at the gross level is quite distinct. We keep on experiencing in our day-to-day life sickness is a misery, old age is a misery, death is a misery. Getting associated with the undesirables, undesirable person, undesirable situations is a misery. Getting disassociated with the desirables, 
desirable persons, desirable situations is a misery. Whatever we crave for and we don't get it, again, is a misery. All these miseries, anyone can understand, but the enlightened one went deeper, deeper, at the root, at the root level where misery originates and starts multiplying within the framework of the body. Things are happening outside, but misery arises inside. So one has to know what is happening inside, within the framework of the body. And he realized, which anyone can realize, practicing Vipassana, that the entire physical structure, which looks so solid, is actually nothing but masses of atomic particles, tiny little invisible atomic particles, constantly changing, arising, passing, arising, passing, and the mind and the mental contents also nothing but vibrations arising, passing, arising, passing, so ephemeral, all the time in a flux, in a flow, constantly changing, as the world is constantly changing, Within ourselves, the mind and matter phenomena is also constantly changing, constantly changing. And without understanding it at the experiential level, one can understand at the intellectual level, that won't help. Without understanding it at the experiential level, one keeps on developing identification identification with the physical structure, identification with the mental structure, the combination of the two, and tremendous amount of attachment towards it. I, mine, I, mine. The entire physical structure, I, mine. The mental structure, I, mine. The combination of the two, I, mine. There the misery starts. Because when you are under the illusion, I, mine, I, mine, what I, what mine? If it is mine, I must have mastery over it. I should be the master of this physical structure, the mental structure. But things are just changing. I can't help. Things are changing as per the law of the nature. But when you have attachment and something undesirable happens, you start reacting, reacting with aversion. Or something desirable happens, you start reacting, reacting with craving. Craving, aversion, craving, aversion has become a habit pattern. Habit pattern of the mind at the deepest level. All other defilements are products of these two. Craving, aversion, craving, aversion.
when you crave for something, you don't get it, you become miserable. You get it, again you are miserable because you keep on worrying. It may not pass away, it may not go away. How to keep it? How to multiply it? And you can't do that. Again you are miserable. Nothing but misery, misery. So one has to go to that depth of the mind and body where this reaction of craving and aversion starts. For that, this enlightened person gave a wonderful scientific technique. No blind faith involved, no blind belief. The reality as it is, one has to experience. The reality pertaining to this physical structure, the reality pertaining to the mental structure, the combination of the two, what is happening? Whenever you decide to practice this technique, to learn this technique, you have to spare ten days of your life, very important. Less than that, you can't go to the depth of the mind. You can work at the surface level of the mind. There are many techniques which helps you to work at the surface level of the mind. Mind will become very calm, very tranquil, also pure but only at the surface level or slightly deeper level. At the root level, one has to reach at the root level where the defilement arises, where the misery arises and keeps on multiplying, multiplying. That part is always unknown to us and the technique wants you to go to that depth to see what is happening at the deepest level of the mind. When you take a 10-day course, first important thing is that you have to make your mind so sharp, so subtle, so sensitive that it can experience everything that is happening within the framework of the body, everything. For that, you are asked to start observing the truth about this mind-matter phenomena. You are asked to sit down. Sit down comfortably in any posture that suits you, that keeps you comfortable for longer periods at this stretch is a good posture for you. Not necessarily lotus posture or half lotus posture. If someone can sit conveniently, go ahead, nothing wrong. Otherwise, any posture that keeps you comfortable at longer periods at a stretch, good. Keep your back and neck straight because this keeps your mind attentive. Keep your eyes gently closed. Eyes have got no function. At the mental level you are experiencing the reality within yourselves. When you keep your eyes open, some outside object will attract your attention and you can't go deep inside, so eyes must be gently closed mouth gently closed. And now see what reality is manifesting itself. Reality which you experience. Not the reality that you read in the books, in the scriptures or that you heard from your teacher. Nothing doing. Leave that aside. What you are experiencing from moment to moment and reality pertaining to this mind-matter structure. The first reality that will manifest itself is 
the breath coming in, the breath going out. This is real. No imagination is involved. And it is pertaining to both the mind and the matter. You are asked to observe, just observe. That means just feel. Feel the breath as it is, not as you would like it to be. As it is. Don't make it a breathing exercise. Don't try to control the breath. This is prohibited. There's another technique which wants us to control the breath. It is called pranayam. It has its own advantages. It keeps the body healthy. But this is a totally different technique. Here you are developing your faculty to remain aware of the truths pertaining to the mind and matter as it is, as it is. So the breath as it is, as it is, the incoming breath, the outgoing breath. If it is deep, it is deep. If it is shallow, it is shallow. Passing to left nostril, left nostril. Passing to right nostril, right nostril. Don't disturb the natural flow of the breath. Just observe, observe objectively. Like someone sitting at the bank of the river and the river is flowing. One does nothing for the flow of the river. It is natural, naturally flowing. One just sitting at the bank observes the flow of the river. In the same way, keeping the attention at the entrance of the nostrils, a small area above the upper lip. You are just observing the breath coming in, the breath going out. You have to do nothing. Do nothing. Just observe. So easy. You have to do nothing. And yet so difficult. Whenever you make a decision and join a course of 10 days, you will find so difficult. First day, so difficult. You hardly observe one or two breaths and the mind is gone somewhere. And suddenly you realize what happened. I was here to observe the breath. What happened? All right, you again start. Hardly a couple of breaths. And again the mind wanders away. Again you come back. Again mind wanders away. We have noticed in some cases, not all the cases, in some cases a new student gets frustrated. Sometimes very much irritated. Generates Negativity. Negativity towards oneself. Towards one's own mind. What kind of mind I am carrying? Such an easy job is given. Just observe. Do nothing. And yet, it can't do that. And the guide will say, no, don't generate negativity. Negativity is negativity. Whether you generate towards yourself or towards anybody else. It is misery. You are here to come out of misery. You are here to come out of this habit pattern of generating negative emotions. Just accept the fact. Observing the breath, observing the breath, mind wandered away. As soon as you realize mind has wandered away, accept the fact, look, mind has wandered away. This is the truth of this moment, my mind has wandered away. All right? The breath is still there. Come on, I start again. You start again. Again the mind wanders away. You realize it has wandered away. Just accept the fact. It has wandered away. Again start. Like that working patiently, patiently, persistently, persistently, continuously. 
Understand why people are kept for 10 days in a spiritual prison. It's a prison. You can't go out. You can't have any contact with the outside world. Because you can maintain the continuity of the practice. Continue to the practice, continue to the practice. Second day, slightly better. Third day, much better. Mind becomes calm, tranquil. Not fully calm, not fully tranquil, but much better than what it was on the first day. And you will notice your breath also, as you keep on working with the truth as it is, and the mind is observing the truth, no imagination. The entire process, imagination is prohibited, verbalization is prohibited, visualization is prohibited, speculation prohibited, imposition of this philosophical belief or that philosophical belief, prohibited as it is, the breath as it is, because you are working with the breath as it is, naturally the breath becomes subtler and subtler, finer and finer, shorter and shorter, like a thin thread, it comes out and immediately makes a U-turn, so short, so thin. As your object of awareness has become very subtle, the mind also becomes subtler, subtler, subtler to feel the breath, a very subtle breath. And when the mind becomes subtler and subtler, it becomes more and more sensitive. And it starts experiencing subtler realities. Again, subtler realities pertaining to the mind-matter phenomena. When you are observing the breath, then also mind-matter phenomena. At the apparent level, it looks, the breath is a physical function. Your lungs are working, that is why you get breathing in or breathing out. True. But the breath is also strongly related to the mind. Very strongly related to the mental impurities. And that a student starts realizing soon. You are observing the breath, observing the breath, suddenly the mind wanders away some thought of the past, some thought of the future, pleasant, unpleasant, and one reacts, then it's anger, hatred, passion, fear, some impurity or the other, and one will notice the breath is no more normal, it loses its normality, it becomes slightly hard, slightly fast, and then when that particular impurity has gone away, mind again becomes normal, so it is very clear the breath the breath becomes normal. So it's very clear that the breath is strongly related to the mind also and strongly related to the mental impurities. Now when you proceed further, you will experience other realities pertaining to this combination of mind and matter. You are working on a small area at the entrance of the nostrils, small area. If you have bigger area, the mind cannot become sharp. You have to work very small area. This is what is called one-pointed concentration. Chitta ekagata, one-pointed. And you are working here, one-pointed, one-pointed. Mind becomes very sharp. You start experiencing some biochemical reaction or the other, some electromagnetic reaction or the other, Manifesting itself as this sensation or that sensation. Sensations are there all the time, throughout the body. 
our mind is not capable to feel those sensations. Only when very gross, unpleasant sensations arise, like pain, pressure, heaviness, heat, perspiration, then easily one can feel that. But there are so many different types of sensations throughout the body. Every moment something or the other is happening throughout the body. We have to make the mind capable to feel those sensations. So now, at the end of third day, you find you are feeling some sensation on this area, the small area. Maybe heat, maybe perspiration, maybe throbbing, pulsing, vibrating, tingling, anything. Understand, you can't choose sensations. It's a choiceless observation. Let nature play its own role. As the breath, you're observing natural breath. At times it is long, at times it is short. You are just observing. Similarly, at times this kind of sensation, at times that kind of sensation, your job is just observe, just observe objectively, without identifying yourself with the sensation, objectively. Fourth day, you feel sensations from the top of the head to the tips of the toes, throughout the body. Some sensation or the other is always there, day and night, asleep or awakened, sitting or standing, walking or lying down, eating or drinking, in every position, in every posture, sensations are there throughout the body. Now you start feeling them, different kinds of sensations. Of course, initially you come across very gross, solidified, intensified, unpleasant sensations. You keep on working. You keep on working means you keep on observing them equanimously without reacting. The old habit pattern of the mind was to react whenever there is unpleasant sensation, you react with aversion. And after two or three days later, when these sensations change into subtle vibrations, very pleasant, then the old tendency is to react with craving. Now you have to change that habit pattern. No more craving, no more aversion. Just keep on observing. Very unpleasant sensation, so what? Let me see how long it lasts. It arises, seems to stay for some time, but sooner or later passes away. It arises, stays for some time, passes away. It is not eternal. Similarly, when you come across very pleasant, subtle vibrations throughout the body, you notice the characteristic remains the same. Wavelets, wavelets arising, passing, arising, passing, with great rapidity, with high velocity. But the characteristic remains the same. It is not eternal, constantly changing, constantly changing. With this understanding, not at the intellectual level, now you are experiencing this too. The entire mind-matter phenomena is constantly changing, all the time in a flux, in a flow, flux, a flow. Combustion, vibration, combustion, vibration. You learn how to observe it equanimously. Even the most unpleasant sensation has a reason. It is not going to stay forever. Let me see how long it lasts. It passes away. Very pleasant sensation has a reason. This also doesn't stay forever. It passes away. And one starts realizing, understanding at the experiential level, what is the purpose of reacting towards these unpleasant sensations with aversion? But they are not eternal. They come to pass away. 
what is the purpose of reacting with craving towards these pleasant sensations? They are not eternal, they are rising, passing away, rising, passing away. This is how you change your old habit pattern. You keep on changing your old habit pattern and you notice the old habit pattern was always, all the time, craving, aversion, craving, aversion. Constantly there is some sensation or the other throughout the body, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. And constantly mind at the root level constantly keeps on reacting, craving, aversion, craving, aversion. And when you go to that depth and you find your mind is very calm and tranquil and you react with craving, you will notice you have lost the balance of your mind. You have lost the peace of your mind. You have lost the harmony of your mind. You have become a miserable person. Whenever you generate aversion, again you will find you have lost the balance of your mind. You have lost the peace of your mind. You have lost the harmony of your mind. You have become a miserable person. So misery at the deepest level, how it starts? A student of Vipassana goes deeper, deeper, deeper to the root level and starts experiencing different kinds of sensations, understanding that when we have blind reaction towards any pleasant or unpleasant sensation, we become miserable. And if we don't react, we just observe, we just observe equanimously, maintaining perfect equilibrium of the mind, maintaining perfect equipoise of the mind, we find that we live full of peace, full of harmony. So the cause of misery is becoming clearer and clearer. And the way to come out of misery is also becoming clearer and clearer. But one has to practice. One thing which was discovered by this enlightened person was that at the apparent level it looks that we are reacting to outside objects. When they come in contact with our sense to we react with liking, disliking, craving, aversion. That has become our habit. Therefore, every religion at the time of Buddha or even before Buddha or even after Buddha, they kept on teaching, don't get indulged in these sensual objects. When a shape or form or color or light comes in contact with the eye sense too, when a sound comes in contact with the ear sense too, when a smell comes in contact with your nose sense too, when a taste comes in contact with your tongue sense too, when anything tangible comes in contact with your body sense too, or a thought or emotion comes in contact with your mind sense too, these are the five sense doors because of which we know the world as world. Otherwise, there is no existence of world for us. The world comes in contact with us only through these six sense doors. So all the teachers of the past had been saying, when you come in contact with sense objects outside, don't react. Don't get indulged in that. Remain equanimous, no craving, no aversion. Good teaching, wonderful teaching. But the enlightened person get, went to the depth, depth of the reality. He says, no, you are not reacting to these outside objects. It seems to be so. It appears to be so. This is only apparent truth. Because you have never been to the depth. So therefore you feel that you are reacting to these outside objects. 
actually when an outside object comes in contact with the sense door, there is bound to be a sensation on the body. This is law of nature. A sensation on the body and when you give valuation to this outside object as very good, this sensation turns into very pleasant sensation. When you give valuation to this outside object, oh very bad, the sensation turns into a very unpleasant sensation and then your reaction starts. Unpleasant sensation, you react with aversion. Pleasant sensation, you react with craving. So craving and aversion starts with your reaction to the sensations, not to the outside object. If you can't reach that stage where you feel the sensations and understand how you are reacting and generating misery for yourself, how can you come out of it? You can pacify your mind at the surface level, don't react, don't react, reacting is not good, don't indulge, don't indulge, indulging is not good. This much is helpful. At least the surface of your mind becomes purer, calm, tranquil, deep inside. He says there is a continuous process, continuous process of generating craving, aversion, craving, aversion, misery, 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 non-stop. It's going on day and night. Unless you reach that stage and change the habit pattern at the root level, you are not liberated from your misery. That was a great discovery of this enlightened person. I call him a super scientist, a super scientist of the field of spirituality. How to come out of these negative emotions, how to generate nothing but love, compassion, goodwill. This is spirituality. How to live a moral life without harming anybody. No physical or vocal action which will hurt others, which will harm others, which will disturb the peace and harmony of others. Abstain from that. This teaching is there. Every religion of the world, every religion worth the name, has this quintessence teaching. Live a moral life with a disciplined mind, pure mind, full of love, compassion, goodwill, tolerance. This is there. Always it is there. But how to practice it? Everyone understands that. The preaching of every religion is there. But the difficulty comes because the quintessence is the inner reality of every religion, but then there is the outer shell. Every religion has the outer shell, which differs from one religion to another. The inner essence is the greatest common factor of all the religions. Same thing, every religion teaches the same thing, but the outer shell always differs. What is outer shell? This rite, that ritual, this ceremony, this celebration, this belief, philosophical belief, that belief, this faith, that faith, all those things differ. Let people be happy with their own belief, with their own rites, rituals, nothing wrong. Don't condemn others. But importance must be given to the inner essence. That is what the enlightened one realized. And that is why he never founded a religion. He was not a founder of any religion. When religion that means all this paraphernalia of the religion, the outer shell. He had nothing to do with that. Entire attention was given to this inner essence. 
live a moral life. That means don't perform any action, vocal or physical, which will harm others, which will hurt others. Now, when one goes to that depth, that at the sensation level, you are reacting. You are reacting with, towards the sensations, pleasant, unpleasant. It becomes clearer and clearer. Again, his discovery, again a wonderful discovery. He says, you can't harm anybody. Can't harm anybody. By vocal or physical action, you can't harm without first harming yourself. You have to first harm yourself and then only you harm others. A Vipassana meditator starts realizing this truth. Any vocal action, physical action which is unwholesome, which harms others, disturbs the peace and harmony of others, always starts at the mind level. Some impurity or the other must arise in the mind to perform an unwholesome vocal or physical action. It becomes so clear at the experiential level. You kill somebody. How can you kill somebody without generating tremendous amount of anger, hatred, ill will, animosity? Then only you kill somebody. And if you are a good Vipassana meditator, you will immediately realize when I have generated anger or hatred, ill will or animosity, any negativity, I am the first victim of the negativity. One starts experiencing when anger arises, there is a flow of burning sensation throughout the body, burning sensation. Palpitation increases, tension gets built up. What a misery, what a great misery, what I am doing. I am harming myself. I wanted to harm somebody else, but before harming that person, I started harming myself. Similarly, I steal something belonging to somebody else. I can't steal unless I generate greed. And as soon as I generate greed, I will notice, a good meditator will notice, the calmness of the mind is disturbed, the peace is disturbed, the harmony is disturbed, the balance of the mind is disturbed. You are a miserable person. What I am doing? I first harm myself, then only I harm others. One commits sexual misconduct. How can one commit sexual misconduct? Chandis, passion, lust. And again, a good meditator of Vipassana will realize passion has a reason, lust has a reason. My peace is gone, my harmony is gone, my balance of mind is gone. A misery, a misery. Similarly, all vocal actions, you try to cheat somebody, deceive somebody by saying lies, or you speak harsh words to hurt others, you will notice some impurity or the other has a reason and you become miserable, you become miserable. That reality has to be realized by everyone. Once you go to the depth and start realizing that, then morality becomes so easy. Nobody wants to harm oneself and yet out of ignorance, one does not know what is happening within the framework of the body. When you generate anger, you generate anger towards somebody. Then all the time, your conscious mind is feeling this person, such a bad person, this person has insulted me, this person has harmed me, so you generate anger. You keep on remembering what this person did against you. You are putting more fuel in the fire. Your anger is increasing, increasing. With Vipassana, first thing that you will realize, whatever that person did is the problem of that person. What I am doing, what I am doing, burning myself. 
burning myself, what I'm doing? I'm harming myself. This becomes clearer and clearer. And that is why he said, the morality is to be purified with the help of wisdom. The wisdom has to be purified with the help of morality. Like we wash one hand with the help of the other, so also the morality and panya, the wisdom, they help each other. But one has to go to that stage where one feels sensation and understands how we are reacting to the sensation and there is no more purity. The moment you react with craving or aversion or any other defilement, purity is lost. You become a miserable person. And then all your action outside also become impure. You are a miserable person and you make others miserable. Whenever one generates a negative feeling in the mind, first victim, this person who generates, becomes miserable. But it does not keep this misery limited to oneself. He keeps on throwing this misery on others, makes others miserable. If I generate anger, the entire atmosphere around me gets charged with the vibration of anger, anger. Anybody who comes in contact with me at that time becomes miserable. The whole atmosphere is full of misery, full of misery. I made myself miserable, I made others miserable. It becomes clearer and clearer and you keep on experiencing the truth. Experiencing the truth. Like the fire burning in a pot, in a vessel. First this vessel will get heated up and then this heat will start permeating in the atmosphere outside. The fire will first burn itself and then will burn anyone who comes in contact with the fire. Anything that comes in contact with the fire. The same nature of these negativities. Whenever we generate negativity, first person or ourselves start burning. And then anybody who comes in contact with it, with us, also starts getting burning. This is not the proper way of life. We may keep on talking about spirituality. We may keep on talking about love, compassion, goodwill, all very good. But mere talking, merely understanding at the intellectual level, understanding at the emotional level, at the emotional level and also we have got great respect for the person, so devotional level does not help. It may help only the surface level of the mind, deep inside. This habit pattern of generating anger, generating negativity is there and we keep on burning all the time. This reality has to be experienced. By mistake, I have touched the flame, burning fire. My hand gets burned. I take back my hand. Oh, it's burning. I may make this mistake twice, thrice. I understand this is fire. I should not touch it. This is harmful. It burns. In the same way as one keeps on practicing vipassana properly, as one has to practice properly, one starts feeling burning. Look, I am miserable. I am making myself miserable. What I am doing? I am making myself miserable. One starts coming out of this habit pattern. And when one comes out of the habit pattern of generating negativity, mind becomes purer and purer. And law of nature is such, when the mind is pure, it is full of love, full of compassion, full of goodwill, full of tolerance towards others. Love, pure love, without a trace of passion, without a trace of lust, pure love, full of compassion, 
compassionate love. Pure love is always one way traffic you give. You don't expect anything in return. The moment you start expecting something in return, the love loses its purity. It's no more pure. It's a commercial love. You pay, then you receive something. You want something in return. Just giving. Just giving. And a pure heart will generate this kind of pure love, pure compassion for all beings without any discrimination. Whether this person belongs to my religion or other religion, my race or another race, my color or that color, a male or a female, makes no difference. Human being is human being. Human mind is human mind. One starts realizing the misery within oneself, one starts understanding the misery in the mind of everyone. Everyone, out of ignorance, keeps on generating some defilement or the other in the mind and becomes miserable, becomes miserable. At the apparent level, one may say that this person is very happy because he's got a lot of money, all the comforts of the life. Not happy. When you, when you examine the reality of the life of this person, lot of ego is there, lot of tension is there. Misery, misery. Then you have compassion for this person. Anybody who is a terrorist is harming others. How can he harm others? He generates negativity, negative emotions. And when he generates negative emotion, he is the first victim of that. Very miserable person. Very miserable. You have to take strong action. You can't afford to allow a wrong person harming you or harming others. This is not Vipassana. If you start becoming passive, well, I am like a vegetable, let anybody come and cut me, I am a Vipassana vegetable. Nothing doing, no. If somebody is doing something wrong to you or to the society, you have to first examine yourself. For a few seconds only, a good Vipassana meditator, a few seconds, there are vibrations and I am equanimous to these vibrations. I am not reacting. Then whatever you do is a positive action. You may take very strong action. First you try to explain in a very loving words. One doesn't understand those words. You have to take hard action, physical, vocal. But there is compassion for this person. This person doesn't understand what he or she is doing. Compassion. But you have to take hard action. First you have to see that you are not harming yourself. If you start harming yourself, then you can't help others, you can't correct others. A lame person cannot help another lame person. A blind person cannot help another blind person. You have to first become strong and the strength is always remain fearless. Fearless. Since I have come in this country last two months, I find there is so much of fear. Fear. What will happen? This terrorist, what is their next step? Some dirty bomb. What will happen? This fear is very harmful. Of course, it's the duty of the state to see that every citizen of the country is protected. But for every citizen also, one must keep oneself protected, protected from the fear element. One must be alert all the time. That's good. But don't allow the fear to overpower you. Otherwise, you are supporting the terrorist. 
This is what the terrorists want, to create terror, terror in the society, so that out of fear they kneel down and say, Baba, whatever you say, we agree, we will we'll follow whatever you say, because they want that. That's why they are generating so much of terror. Must be fearless. And this technique helps. This technique helps. As it was realized by this enlightened person, nothing can arise in the mind without a sensation on the body. Say fear as a reason. And a good Vipassana meditator will understand when the fear is a reason, there must be some sensation on the body. And that sensation is related to fear. You keep on accepting the fact there is fear in my mind. At this moment, there is fear in my mind. Fear due to this or due to that, nothing doing. That will be again an intellectual game. A fear as fear, abstract fear. Now let, let me see what sensation I have. Whatever sensation you have at that time is related to this fear element. Keep on observing it. Keep on observing it. This is not eternal. It arises to pass away. It arises to pass away. So this fear also, related to this sensation, is also not eternal. It has to pass away. It has to pass away. It becomes weaker, weaker, weaker. It cannot overpower you. You are free of fear. And when you are free of fear, you can face any difficulty. Of course, remaining alert to keep yourself always safe. But at the same time, no fear. Fear is a very big enemy of every human being. You have to come out of this fear. Similarly, any kind of impurity in the mind, the technique helps us to come out of that. Number of people come to the courses. Now, because the technique is so non-sectarian, observing the breath, observing the breath, what sectarianism? Breath is not Hindu or Muslim or Christian. You can't say this is Muslim breath or this is Hindu breath or Christian breath or Jewish breath. Breath is breath. Everybody, every human being, same breath. And when you start observing the impurity of the mind, anger, and the sensations, unpleasant sensations, again, what label you can give? This Hindu anger or Buddhist anger or Christian anger, anger is anger. And the misery that you feel is also universal. Anybody who generates anger is bound to become miserable. Universal teaching. A science of interaction of mind and matter. Anybody can practice and come out of misery, come out of the defilements of the mind. Therefore, people of every religion, there is no religion in the world today whose followers are not attending the Vipassana courses. The leaders are attending Vipassana courses. Because every religion has the same teaching. Live a moral life with a disciplined mind, full of love, compassion, goodwill. And they find this is the teaching of our religion. That is what we are learning here. Till now more than 2,000 Christian priests and nuns have participated. Besides that, all the other, from every religion, the heads have come, participated, got the same result. I remember the first batch of the Christian missionary who came. One amongst them was a very elderly mother superior. At the end of the course he says, Koinka, you are teaching Christianity in the name of Buddha. I am teaching spirituality. What I am teaching is acceptable by every religion. Every religion says the same thing. That is why people when they come to the courses they find it's acceptable to us. It's acceptable to us. And very easily they accept it and they work on it. 
and they find a very good solution for their problem. Many of these people who have come out of the householder's life, they have taken the vow of celibacy. Christian priests and nuns, not only them, but also Buddhist monks, Buddhist nuns, Jain monks, Jain nuns, Hindu sannyasis, they all have this vow of celibacy. Not easy to maintain celibacy. Time and again passion arises, lust arises, keeps on suppressing it, suppressing it. Suppressing, suppressing, one becomes a psychic case and runs after a psychiatrist. So much of misery. Or if one has not suppressed it, one performs some wrong action, breaks the celibacy, or some very heinous crime, and then a feeling of guilt. Oh, what I have done, this is very bad. I should not have done that. Again, this complex of guilt. Misery, nothing but misery. By this technique, it becomes so easy for them. Whenever passion arises, accept the fact. At this moment, there is passion in my mind. Passion related to this person or that person, nothing doing. Passion is passion. And let me see what sensation. Because according to the law of nature discovered by this enlightened person, nothing can arise in the mind without a sensation on the body. So lust as a reason, let me see what sensation. Any sensation that you feel anywhere in the body, any type of sensation is related to this passion. Keep on observing it. A good meditator, keep on observing it. Impermanent. This is not permanent. I have been observing sensations so long, I know. This is not permanent. Arising, passing, arising, passing. So this passion related to this sensation is also not permanent, not eternal. Let me see how long it lasts. Let me see how long it lasts. It becomes weaker, weaker, passes away. It cannot overpower you. You have not suppressed it. You have not expressed it in the wrong way. Just observe me. Just, this is Vipassana. Just observe. Just observe. Understand the reality. The reality that there is a passion in the mind. There is a fear in the mind. There is anger in the mind. This is the reality. And then the reality of the sensations on the body. Just observe. Just observe. And you start coming out of it. No impurity can overpower you. And you can't take an unwholesome action, vocal or physical, because you are with the reality of the mind, the impurity on the mind, and don't allow it to overpower you because you are just observing, not reacting, just observing, just not reacting. The habit pattern changes. One easily, one easily starts observing celibacy in the life, very easily. Similarly, very angry person, they easily start coming out of this habit of anger. Very fearful person, all the time fearing, fearing, fearing with their own shadow. Somebody is following me. One's own shadow, fear, fear, fear is fear. Due to this reason or that reason, you start observing the fact there is fear in my mind and what sensations I have, you are coming out of it, coming out of it. Large number of these hard criminals in the prison, how they change, total change. At the time of Buddha, there was one terrorist, a very, very cruel terrorist. He killed 999 persons, innocent persons. He didn't know who they are. He didn't have personal enmity with them. But anybody passing through that route, he will kill. Anybody passing through that route, he will kill. And not with this blast. Killing each individual with his sword. How much cruelty this person will have? 999. Comes in contact with Buddha, comes in contact with this technique. Changed, totally changed. He becomes a saint. No more negativity now. 
only love compassion love compassion throughout the life he kept on teaching people the pashana i was a miserable person because i was ignorant what i am doing i didn't know i am harming myself i was harming others and i have come out of it you also generate impurity in the mind and you are miserable why not come out of it there is a way to come out of it whole life there were professional murderers as we have today also you pay that much amount and they will go and kill somebody professional murderers so many professional murderers at the time of buddha changed by this technique changed today also in the jails hard criminals and the jail superintendent says after taking 2 3 10 day courses what a big change has come what a big change has come so this is not merely a utopian story this is not a, 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 a only a, a something to be believed this is something which is giving result here and now mere accepting something at the intellectual level won't help accepting even at the emotional level won't help at the actual level when one starts experiencing experiencing look this is misery this is how misery starts this is how it keeps on multiplying and overpowering me and this is how it can be eradicated buddha said in your compound you have got a huge tree poisonous tree you don't like it you cut it off you cut it off but the roots are still there another will sprout another will sprout cut the root and then only you are free from it so cut the root of the defilements the impurities the negativities by going to that depth where you feel the sensation unless you train your mind to feel sensations on the body you are not working at the deepest level at the root level of the mind and this technique helps you to work at the root level of the mind and anyone can practice it will be the same result and so scientific result oriented gives the result here and now not that after death you will get this or that after that also you get better result but now what you get now this is more important and here and now people start getting benefit but it requires a practice mere listening to these discourses won't help this discourse is to give you some understanding what the technique is to give you some encouragement to give you some guidance but ultimately you have to spare 10 days of your life to learn this technique i hope all of you who are here will spare 10 days of the life learn this technique and enjoy real peace real harmony real happiness may all of you be happy be peaceful be liberated from all the miseries all the miseries how long does it take to become enlightened <laughs> every moment you are experiencing the truth within yourself you are getting enlightened you were ignorant what is happening inside and now you are getting enlightened 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 and you will become fully enlightened when all the impurities have gone away the newspapers and broadcasts are full of suffering and negativity it is hard to keep a calm mind should we avoid watching these watch them and remain equanimous watch them and you lose your equanimity then you have started suffering watch what's happening in the world nothing wrong but see that you don't become a part of that misery first you have to keep yourself free from misery generate purity love compassion 
and that will also have its own effect on the atmosphere. There are many types of Buddhist meditation and many forms of vipassana. What distinguishes the type of vipassana that you teach from other forms? This is Buddha's way. Now, fortunately, this technique, which originated in India by Buddha, within 500 years or so, it got lost there. It went to different countries, around neighboring countries. There also, in a century or two, it got lost. One country, a neighboring country, Myanmar, Burma, maintained it in its pristine purity, from teacher to pupil, from teacher to pupil, from generation to generation, for more than 2,000 years. And it has come out now, come out first to India and then to the world. Whether it is this real, pure form taught by Buddha or not, the words of Buddha are there. 15,000 pages of Buddha's words, about 35,000 pages of commentaries, sub-commentary, all put in the CD-ROM and we make research there. We find whatever is being practiced tallies with every word of Buddha. This is what he wanted us to practice. And that is why we say this is a pure type of technique. We don't condemn others because every technique gives some benefit or the other. Those who are happy with that, they may carry on. But still, if you want to give a trial to the pure technique as taught by Buddha, spare 10 days of your life. Meditation is difficult. A meditator often feels that he or she is losing ground rather than making progress. Can you offer some encouragement and advice? You will get all the encouragement, all the advice, if you spare ten days of your life and time. <laughs> How do you teach this to young children? Is it possible? At what age? What age? Before birth. You must teach the children before birth. A pregnant mother... If she comes to a course, she is not only meditating for herself, she is also meditating for the child. Gives so good, healthy vibration, wholesome vibration to the child. Otherwise, a pregnant mother keeps on generating anger, hatred, passion, lust, etc. What message you are giving to the child? He will come out a miserable person. So instead of that, you are giving good vibrations, love, compassion, purity. The child comes out a Dhamma baby. Many pregnant women come to the courses to get a Dhamma baby and they get Dhamma baby. <laughs> Why do you bring your wife on stage? Because without her I am not complete. She is half and better half. So I have to keep her with me. And she plays her own role. She keeps on generating good vibrations, vibrations of love. The whole atmosphere gets charged with love, compassion, and there is peace. That's why you all listen so calmly because of her. <laughs> Would you speak of the vibration concerning fear of death? Fear is fear. When one becomes fearless by observing these uh, sensations on the body, one is ready any time, let the death come, so what? I am fearless. We have seen a number of cases, cancer patients, and terminal stage of cancer is so painful, so painful, and yet 
many cases that news come from their relatives they just smilingly observing sensations smilingly they pass away without any fear without crying without being becoming unconscious so this is an art of living you can face the death very peacefully art of dying and you can learn art of dying by art learning art of living certainly one who is a good meditator never fears the death is there a course for someone who is bedridden well in certain cases wherever there is facility in the courses we allow people sometimes they come in a wheelchair and still they are taught somebody is bedridden then also one is taught one may take a little longer time what people get in one 10 day course this person may get in two 10 day courses but if one practices what is being told there is no magic no miracle one has to work and one is in the bed because of the physical reason mind is working and is exercise of the mind not of the body and if the mind works properly as one is asked to work it will give benefit to anybody whether bedridden or not could you talk more about fear <laughs> fear is the biggest greatest tragedy in our life all the time you are fearing without any fearful action being taken by anybody still imagination somebody somebody might take this action somebody take this action and you are so miserable come out of that misery as i said when fear arises just accept the fact there is fear in my mind now let me see what sensation i have but first you have to learn how to observe the sensations and when you start observing the sensations observing sensation oh not eternal not eternal fear is also not eternal it becomes weak 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 and passes away every person a meditator is always fearless thank you when i resist indulging in something enjoyable i feel misery <laughs> how to maintain peace don't feel misery you enjoy whatever is enjoyable but without attachment don't get attached to it the misery is because you get attached to it and when you got attachment to it and you miss it then you become so miserable more miserable so just experience whatever enjoyment is there but without any attachment please speak on marriage versus living together as alternative to celibacy a householder living together one spouse not more than that otherwise you keep on running from one to the other to the other to the other you become a sex maniac that doesn't help that is why we say one spouse and the sex relation is there nothing wrong but good meditators both are good meditators whenever passion arises both start observing the sensation there is passion what sensation there is passion what sensation not permanent not permanent both of them come out of passion if they don't come out of passion they are not so strong if they have body relation so what they have not broken their shila but slowly as they continue to work in a few years time it all depends from student to student a few years time when is totally out of this sex relation celibacy without suppression natural celibacy and that is the stage which takes you to the final goal celibacy is very important but forced celibacy is not important 
That is why a householder has to learn how to observe sensation when passion comes and slowly come out of the, the passion. Please write. Please write and send. It is hard to feel compassion for those who seem to escape justice and commit serious crime. When you are established in Vipassana and you start experiencing that whenever I generate negativity, I become so miserable. Then you understand, this person who is now committing such unwholesome physical actions to harm others, he can't do that without generating negativity in the mind. And the law of nature is such that with this negativity, this person is now suffering, suffering, is burning. You don't feel like throwing more petrol on this person who is burning. You feel like throwing some cold water. But if this person cannot understand that, then you have to take hard action. But first you see yourself that you have not generated anger or hatred. If you generate anger and hatred, you are a sick person. How can you help others? A lame person cannot help another lame person. A blind person cannot help another blind person. You have to take strong action, but with an equanimous mind, without having any aversion. Then you will find it becomes very effective. Otherwise, anger, anger, terrorism, counter-terrorism, there is no end to it. It will keep on multiplying, multiplying. Have patience in the mind, have the equanimity of the mind, and you will find you are successful. In the Buddha Satipatthana Sutra, why are there so many other techniques in addition to mindfulness of sensation? Every technique, it starts from here, or from here, or from here, but takes you to the stage where you start feeling sensations on the body. Every paragraph takes you, Samudai Dhamma Anupasya Viharati. You feel how it arises. Vai Dhamma Anupasya Viharati. You feel how it passes away. This arising and passing away, you experience at the tangible level of the sensations only. And when he says you are reacting only to sensations, this is a great discovery of Buddha. We can't miss that. We can't forget that. And therefore, you start anywhere. According to your mental capacity, you start from anywhere that suits you. But you have to come to a station where you start experiencing Udaya arising, passing, arising, passing. Then you reach a stage where all the solidity goes away. The entire physical structure, entire mental structure is nothing but vibration, vibration. That is called bhanga. When you reach that bhanga stage, then only you proceed further. So there are stations with every, every paragraph there, starts from here or there, but must come to the Udaya station, arising, passing away, must come to bhanga station, dissolution of everything, and then only you proceed further. I attended a 10-day course and practiced regularly, but I am still not sure that Vipassana is the right path for me. How will I know? then you are not practicing properly. If you are practicing properly, good results are bound to come. If you don't get good results, there is something wrong in the technique or something wrong in you. Nothing wrong in the technique because it gives results thousands of people around the world. Something wrong with you. So meet your teacher, discuss with him and find out what mistake you are ma- making. Otherwise, everyone who practices Vipassana must get benefit, less or more, according to one's effort. But it's not a futile exercise. Far more questions than we have time for. So if you please, we'll make these last. But one of my friends who was asking questions is included? Yes. 
Yes, good. What uh, prevents prevents you from becoming a politician? <laughs> I feel I am better than a politician. Why should I become a politician? Nothing wrong to be a politician, but the politician must be also with a balanced mind. Because politicians, like religious leaders, like business leaders, are the leaders of the society. Everything good or bad percolates from the top and keeps on going down. If the politicians are full of negativity, then they are miserable people. And what message they give to the, to the society? A religious person also, if mind is not pure, what message they are giving to the others? So also business people, only selfish, want money, want money. What message they are giving to the society? Vipassana is for all of them. All of them must accept Vipassana as a part of life and they will find that they are out of misery and they are helping others also to come out of misery. How does one prepare for a Vipassana seminar? It sounds very difficult. <laughs> Don't make any preparation. Come with a clean slate. If you start making preparation, you start practicing something and then later on you, found, you find this is not the right path and to retreat will be a difficult thing for you. So come with a clean slate and it looks difficult but when you start working you will find it is very difficult and yet it is very easy. Very easy and yet very difficult. If you work properly as you are asked to work, within two, three days you find you have started flowing with the masses and you get benefit. I am an architecture student and I often find it difficult to pursue this creative career that demands so much passion while simultaneously protecting my equanimity. How do I cultivate creativity along with equanimity? When you are with equanimity, you generate nothing but creativity. You can't harm. All your actions will be full of positive creativity. You are an architect or you are a writer or you are a painter, you are an artist, whatever profession you are in, you will find that every work that you are doing now is a very healthy work, harmonious work, good for you, good for others. So it is for everyone, whether one is an architect or whether one is a businessman or a politician, everyone needs it because everyone has sick mind and the mind must come out of sickness must become very healthy, sound, harmonious, good for oneself and good for others. May all of you find time to enjoy real peace, real harmony, real happiness, real happiness. <laughs>